Welcome into the Levelheads, everybody. I'm your host, Mike Connolly from Greenside Design Build, and I'm joined by my co-host today, Zane Ellis of Collective Build Company and Jamie Verdura of Verdura Construction. Today, we have Etienne Gubler from SEGA. He is the North American CEO of SEGA Swiss. Now, what is SEGA? SEGA is a manufacturer of membranes and tapes used in high-performance building and construction applications. He's originally from Switzerland, but now he resides in Minnesota. So we talk about Sega, his story at Sega, how he ultimately ended up in the United States since they're based in Switzerland. We talk about Viking Stadium and its poorly, poorly constructed rain screen. Uh, we even get a little bit of some sage marriage advice from Etienne based on his experience and a long time relationship with his girlfriend, who's now his wife. Stay tuned for that. And as always, a big thank you to Anderson Windows, sponsor here of our podcast. All three of us here are longtime Anderson Window customers. We are happy customers, and we encourage you to become a happy Anderson customer as well. And it's Anderson with an E. So without further ado, let's get into it. Excited to have you on, Etienne. We're going to get your story, how it all started, and I'm sure... Zane and Jamie are going to have a bunch of questions for you. And maybe we get them to start using Sega. <laughs> sure. I'm, I'm on board. I'm on board. I just got an, I, I'm not. Got start board. selling. <laughs> <laughs> See, the, the thing is, if you have a good product, the product is the majority of the selling for you. Our biggest challenge is to get people to try it, right? Give it kind of that leap of faith, try it out. And usually they, they come back and, I think that's also how you measure good company uh, in client loyalty. Are people coming back or not? Do you have all these one-offs? You know, it's easy to make a flashy pitch in the beginning, but then, you know, what, what happens afterwards once you try it out? Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I can totally give you a quick intro. Um, so my name is Etienne. Um, I was born and raised in Switzerland. Um, I'm currently responsible for Sega North America. I've been with this company for 10 years. Now, um, I worked for them in four different cities, three different countries. Um, so it's been quite a ride. Um, when I signed up with the company, they said, well, um, we don't know yet where you're going to uh, live and work, but I, we can tell you it's either Switzerland, Germany or Austria. And, and a week before we started or I started, um, they then said, OK, it's, it's Germany, by the way. So. Uh, quite a quite a ride um, since then, and it's kind of a big area. A big area, <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, they said, "Well, you're going to be responsible for Brandenburg." So Brandenburg is um, in 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 the north east of Germany. Um, uh, so it's former Eastern Germany, and it's kind of like there's like an island inside of this state, which is Berlin. So it was pretty cool. So I lived in Berlin and was able to like. Uh, travel into into the area um, but interesting area because you have and I, I, you see that too you have kind of this exodus of people moving away from the countryside towards the city so a lot of these like country towns and villages uh, there are not a lot of young people left and you know it's, it's maybe not this optimistic mood as you would uh, see in a, in a big city so it's, it's interesting how you upkeep that uh, when school, uh, schools are closing and stuff like that, right? So uh, definitely poses a challenge with with the urbanization that 
that we have, have been seeing uh, over the last decades. So when you were in, in Germany then, so you were in charge of sales or everything in the area within Germany? Yeah, so that assignment, um, so our company, we do a lot of training programs. And for me, back when I graduated, that was really what I gravitated towards. Uh, I, didn't, I haven't had worked in a big company. I was a little bit insecure and I felt like, oh, a training program feels like a, a soft landing, so to say. Um, different companies do that. In traditionally a training program, they would like rotate you in different positions. Maybe you spend a half year in marketing, then a half year in sales, half year accounting, whatever it is, right? And so you kind of get to explore what you like. Well, our company, they call it the training program, but it actually was a sink or swim assignment. <laughs> and it was, the assignment was, can you survive in a very tough sales area for a year? Do you kind of have what it takes? Uh, are you a hard worker? And Back then, Eastern Germany, that or at least that part of Eastern Germany was a very, very tough area. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't think I learned a lot. And my role there to answer your question was to um, meet with clients, introduce our products, provide a lot of on-site services on job sites and, uh, and sell the product. How did, I'm interested to know how you got into what, you know, what you're doing and, um, you know, how... How did you land where, were you just looking for a job or did you have an interest in building science or did you have a background in this or how did you, how did you get into all this? Yeah, it's a great question. So the story is as follows. Um, we have to go a little bit further back. So um, mm -hmm. when I was a student, I needed a job and we had long summer, summer breaks. And um, during one of these summers, uh, my childhood friend, they were remodeling their roof, right? So they they did a lot of work there and obviously all the friends came together. There was like a small company, a carpenter who like uh, agreed with us as the workforce. So we were working on this roof um, I made a good time. And the following year I was looking then for a job again. And uh, this carpenter by then grew. Uh, he had about 10 employees at that point. And I said, hey, how would you feel about me um, joining you for a summer and work as a carpenter? Um, obviously it's the best time of the year to, to be out there. Right. Um, and, and it turned out to be a really cool experience. Now he was a Sega client, so they were using the tapes. Sega has been around since 1966. It's, they are the market leader in Switzerland. So chances were, were pretty high that you, you worked with a Sega client. And right. we always had so much fun with these tapes because they stuck so well. We, we put them on each other's leg, you know, did a little bit of the de herring. <laughs> Um, and, and it just played around with it and, and all carpenters liked it. So that's why I knew the brand. And, um, and I was looking for jobs. I was not thinking about the industry, to be honest, for me, it was more about, I wanted this training program. As I said, I was more looking for a little bit of a soft landing because before I started, um, I worked nine years in retail. So my journey is, um, out of basically high school apprenticeship program in retail. Then I worked in retail, was selling sport goods. Then I felt like, hey, I want to go back to school. I want to study. Then I did a four-year program, did my bachelor's. And, and then, yeah, 10 years ago, I joined Sega. So that's a little bit kind of the, the story that I had. Um, so I grew up uh, more kind of in the worker mentality and environment and later on became, um, or, or later on meant a little bit more the, the study track. So 
Mike, have you tried sticking Sega tape it's to somebody's leg yet? Tomorrow. I'm going to get Cousin Johnny and I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, sorry, that Johnny. Fen- <laughs> that Fentrum tape does stick really good. So uh, <laughs> before we go too far, Etienne, and all the listeners that maybe not are familiar with Sega, can you kind of give us an overview of the products available in North America and what they do? Um, obviously, you mentioned the tapes, but I know there's WRBs. There's all kinds of stuff that you guys offer. Can you jump into that a little bit? Yeah, of course. Um, so Sega is a manufacturer of tapes and membranes. Generally speaking, we say for a airtight and weathertight building envelope. So that means we have weather-resistive barriers. Um, they can be mechanically attached or they can be a sulfur deer, kind of a peel and stick membrane. Um, we also have uh, tapes for window flashing and to make all the connections that you would have in your envelope. And then on the interior of your building, now this is very climate specific. We also have a product line of vapor control layers um, and with all the tapes that come fit. Why do I say vapor specific? Because you do not need such a layer in all the climates. For example, um, or let me rephrase this. You don't need this layer on the inside in all of the climates. Um, you should always look into vapor control, but if you're in a hot, humid climate, right, uh, where you basically cool your building all day, the hot humid air is outside. So your vapor retarder needs to be on the exterior of your wall. You want to stop that constant moisture flow uh, from coming inside, right? Um, so therefore, we, we have these, um, to, to, to make it simple, water control layers, air, air tightness layers, and vapor control layers. That's what we do. Um, we have been in the U.S. since uh, 2012, so it's been a while. Started out in, uh, Jamie, you will know, Irvine, California. So um, out yep. in your neck of the woods. Um, and gradually uh, grew the company. Right now, um, or over the last two years, I would say, we've really made a big push in Canada. Uh, we have seen uh, Canada's been quite favorable in terms of uh, green policies that allow homeowners uh, to get certain incentives um, um, to build more energy efficient. And that really pushes business for sure. So uh, that is a, a good booster. That's funny. I would have imagined that Canada would have landed first because uh, it seems like green building started in Canada first before, before the U.S. But um, I would have imagined that would have been a, a, a great landing place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there. See, it's. it's I, I was laughing. Uh, you know, the listeners could hear, but I was kind of smiling because uh, there is a fight over what started where, and you know, <laughs> who who had the first greenhouse and passive house and all of that. Um, I think at the at the end of the day, we need to measure kind of the greenness of construction, or I mean, greenness is. I don't like green because it's not a clear word. What do we mean? But let's let's just say energy efficient buildings, right? Um, buildings that. Mm-hmm use little amount of energies um, you can only measure a location by its code and if this code is enforced um, as you know every often down to the municipal oh, great one thanks um, you know what i mean sometimes <laughs> even down to the town level <laughs> um, you can you you can you get to decide do we want to adopt the new uh, energy codes or not, right? 
Sometimes it's more on a, you know, a city level, state level, and so on, and so on, and so forth. And you can either opt in, uh, get rid of certain sections, uh, and then having a code doesn't mean anything unless it's enforced, right? I can have the best code yeah. if no one ever cares to check. <laughs> so right? I'm and so glad you said that because where I live in in Tennessee, it, you know. We, we do try to sell the value of a energy efficient house, particularly in the style of house that we build. But so often, you know, our codes, it doesn't matter here. Uh, Cause you know, that we've got, we've got, let's see, we've got two or three municipalities that delete the insulation under the slab. We've got, mm-hmm. we've got another one that, um, that they stuck with R13 in the walls um, that did not, and that, I mean, what was that? 2012 or something like that. And here we are and here we are in 2023. And, you know, I'm so glad that you mentioned that, that it, it doesn't just depend on the code. It, it depends on your municipality and, and if they're even going to uphold it or not. But for us, it becomes a, we, we really are trying to sell this when half the builders in our area St- still think that houses need to breathe <laughs> and it's not a it, it's not a point of like it's not a point of difference it's just a point of like ignorance and i don't mean that like to mm-hmm. like it's just a point of like they they've never known that's just what they've always heard so right. they just haven't educated themselves and it's just not a it's it's a real point of contention around here now because in our city municipality they're really trying to enforce this and everybody here acts like it is like it the, the world's going to end and the sky's falling because they're enforcing energy code mm-hmm. the same thing they've been doing everywhere else for 10 years well change you know at least change you know, is always yeah change, change is always been hard really, and you're really always going to come up against a brick wall and i think it but i think that's go ahead mike it's a hurdle that we face in this country and in, depending yep. on which part of the country you're in, that hurdle might be higher than in other parts of the country. Um, and I, a lot of it yep. falls on the individual but builder it, it, to educate themselves, you know? Yep. Uh, and it, it's important to make the distinction distinction that you did though, of is your code going to even call it out or do they not even care? Because that's what we, cause and to, to Mike's point, that's why, um, that's why builders around here don't care to educate themselves. They're not going to educate themselves because nobody's forcing them to educate themselves. Education in our industry only happens when you stop making money. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, sorry, I jumped in. I, I'm pretty, I, no, no, I love I, it. I, I get listen, pretty wound up. about yeah. no, you, you make, you make an amazing point And you know, I think, Mike, you said it, change is, is hard, right? And there, in my opinion, there are kind of two mm-hmm. ways how you can uh, get changed on. You either inspire people to do, to, 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 to make change, right? Or you force them. Forcing in our role means the code, right? Raise the minimum. Now it's mm-hmm. the law. Uh, you have to enforce the law. And that's what. But I, I personally feel like you get a lot of resistance, right? People don't like that. They don't want to... No one wants to be told what to do in, in that regards, right? Um, on the other hand, the inspiring part, and that's where I find the conversation becomes very interesting because it's all about how do you frame energy efficiency and who are you talking to, right? At the end of the day, 
The result of an energy efficient home is a home with low energy bills. So cost savings resonates with almost everyone, right? Comfort, you know, um, good indoor air quality, um, the, the environment, if that's what the client cares most about, right? So there, there's so many benefits that come with, um, with, with, with building energy efficient. And for me, it's all, it's really like, I think we, we do more and better if we can somehow grab the people and inspire them. Um, and mm. hopefully it, it paves the path for, for code. I wanted to mention one more thing. I'm curious to hear from you, all of you. Um, sometimes what I've seen when passive house came, which is a very, very high energy efficient standard came from Germany to, to the U S they've been doing a great job here over the last uh, 10 years plus. Um, what they realized was we aren't even legally allowed to build better. In a sense, there were certain things you just couldn't do um, uh, that, that we would all know, okay, from a building science point of view, that actually makes sense. But no, you're not allowed to have a balanced ventilation or you're not allowed to do you know, X, Y, Z. I'm kind of curious, have you run into issues because if the coach just says, listen, you don't have to do it, that's great, right? Then that means you can but you don't have to have you run into issues where you can't do the right thing. I haven't. Yes. Really. One. I have one. <laughs> um, yeah, we, uh, we had a, a, uh, large house that a, uh, um, this small kind of a town inside of a city. It's the kind of the fancy area. It's where, it's where my wife's from. <laughs> they, um, <laughs> They only have one or two inspectors there, but they, um, they would not let me, uh, so we, we thickened our wall, but then they, they would not let me, um, insulate the headers. They said the headers had to be built out as far as the wall, as thick as the wall was. Um, and then they also had an issue with, um, with a flash and bat insulation that we'd, so we'd, we'd planned on, um, we had planned on uh, doing closed cell foam. Now this, now the stuff had just kind of come out. Um, this was like ten years ago. I guess it hadn't just come out, but around here, it had really just become, you know, become a thing. And they turned us down. They told us, "No, you can't do that. You know, that doesn't meet prescriptive uh, code." And because um, all they're looking for is a thickness of, you know, which is a very antiquated way of measuring insulation. And because you're, you're not just looking at the insulation, you're looking at the windows, you're looking at, um, how those perform. You're looking at the headers, you're the looking at system. It, we've, ch we should change to looking at the whole house. Yeah. Um, as, as creating an energy model with a whole house and, um, they wouldn't let us do it and they wouldn't let us insulate the headers, um, as well. So even though, you know, I'd have a, I, I had a, I had windows underneath a gable roof and, you know, gable roof, a window's not carrying much weight at all. The walls are carrying all the weight, right? But they made me build out, you know, uh, five and a half inches on a window header that, you know, wasn't carrying anything, but it was just, you know, one of those things of, again, it, it was just ignorance of, we've never had anybody want to do this before. Yeah, so, it's it's ignorance, yeah, but it's only ignorance on the municipality's part or the inspector's part, and quite often they yeah. fall, fall under the same umbrella as builders. And when when 
Etienne was talking about there's two ways to make change, force a change or inspire a change. The nice thing about forcing the change is that everyone has to do it. So everyone's in the same boat. Everyone has to spend the same amount of money because it always comes back to how much it's going to cost, right? When people yep. start complaining exactly. about change, it's because it's going to cost them more money. If everyone has to do it, yep. everyone's on the same playing field. It's a little bit easier to, to accept it. Now, when you talk about inspiring change, yeah, even though that's a more romantic view of it, <laughs> um, it's less commonplace for sure. Well, I like it because you don't have to sell. You don't have to sell that higher grade that we're all trying to build to this client. It's just you just got to yeah. do it because you know. Otherwise, you're trying to sell this and 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 convince them that this is that this is ultimately going to be, you know, hey, your house is going to be more comfortable. It's going to be uh, more environmentally conscious. Um, your your heat and air bills or your power bills are going to be lower. You know, it, it's a hard sell when nobody else sells them that and says, I can do it, you know, $50,000 cheaper. Yeah. So, yeah. At, so, so yeah. we don't, hard we don't have any that. issues. We have no issues with upgrading, but uh, we have something called a title 24. So all the assemblies, mechanicals, you know, waterproofing outside, all that stuff is all on the plans. So that's spec mm -hmm. approved and ready to go. And then if you upgrade from there and it's, there's not an issue. So there. I, well, I imagine in California too, you pretty high, you know, yeah, I mean, standard. Yeah. Yeah, standard. We're building, I mean, everything. So at tight. the end, you know, we're talking yeah. about codes and municipalities and raising standards for for building science. As a, as a company that specializes in membranes and flashings that contribute to a tighter home and building science, do you guys as a, as a company, do you have any, how do I say this? Do you have any inner workings or, or interactions with the municipalities or government agencies to raise the code standards thereby so, not forcing, but thereby, you know, influencing the market to use your products. That's a great question. Do we lobby, right? Um, <clears throat> so I guess that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the short answer, the short like answer is no in the US, um, a little bit in Canada. So it, it depends. Um, so first of all, not professionally, right? Um, what we have done is we have met with different municipalities um, when we, we get a lot of resistance. So for us, for example, it, and I can tell you one thing, guys, if you think your inspectors are bad, talk to Canadians. Um, it's it's it's. It's a whole other story up there and they're really, really strict. And um, I've been involved with various projects that they stopped because, uh, you know, of some very small things. Anyways, um, so what we have done is we have really built relationships with inspectors. Uh, we work with consultants that help us bridge that gap. Uh, we had some challenges where uh, the product was not accepted. Now in Canada, for example, their code is so outdated and they don't have a replacement for it that it does just simply not cover a lot of the newer materials. I say newer, I'm talking 10 years plus, right? It, it just, and back to saying what you said, we had a, we have a prescriptive code, right? It was maybe written with six mil poly in mind, 
right? Great. But, but now six mil poly is not used as much anymore in certain applications for good reasons. And so it's really, really hard to, to, to then talk to an inspector and say, Hey, look, okay. I, I know what the co code says, but here is why you should listen to us. And, 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 and here's, here's the science behind. So yes, we try to, um, I do have to say in North America, we are a very small player, right? So we have, uh, 25 employees right now. Um, which is a, a good size. We have over 600 globally to give you a little bit of context, um, but we are really, really small. You know, we are not one of the billion dollar companies that, that can like employ a few lobbyists um, to, to do that. Um, I know the global company, we are more involved with, um, with different uh, committees that would uh, work on, on standards and codes and norms here in North America. We are not there yet, if that makes sense. But um, of course, we try to influence uh, in a sense of, you know, leading by example, we just, we help people build these homes. And the best thing is always references, right? Because the first thing, when you start to talk to politicians, they, they want to see like, okay, how has it been built? How, how, how expensive, what are your case studies? So you're kind of indirectly helping with that. But you, it's a yeah, <laughs> Jamie would be Sorry, great to take the talk to politicians. Uh, I said Jamie would be great to take with you to talk to politicians. He's really a very political, well spoken, <laughs> politically well spoken guy. Influential, mm -hmm. always very appropriate. That's it. <laughs> okay, so you were in Germany. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm. You were in Germany. We're getting back to your story. When did you make the move or yeah. when did you get the promotion or whatever you want to call it to come to the United States? Okay. So, or North America. All right. So I did my sink or swim year in Germany. I came out on, on, on the high end in that regards. And uh, then I actually moved to Switzerland and my next station, my next assignment was business development, which was a really, really cool time. It was two and a half years. And basically my job was, um, to respond to requests from all over the world and try to figure out how do you do business in Turkey, in China, in Spain, in Czech Republic, and you name it, whatever, South Korea, whatever country reached out. So um, we, I was part of a team. It was two, two guys, uh, me and my boss. And uh, we basically um, were the, the global face of the company. And so um, I can just tell you a lot of cool experiences, a lot of travels as well. So kind of the perfect job for someone who is young and hungry. After that, um, I applied for a role um, in North America. And a little bit personal background, my wife is American. And so um, I had a huge, I mean, back then she wasn't my wife, my girlfriend then, but uh, I wanted to work in the U.S. Um, so that we could kind of. So wait, if, if you weren't in the U.S. yet and she's American, how did you meet? How, how did that happen? So Online or what? <laughs> so there was this catalog and, no, no, I'm kidding. She studied abroad. So I studied abroad. I studied in South Korea for one semester and she studied in South Korea for a year. And that's where we met. So we met in South Korea wow. by studying 
Then we went back, did long distance relationship for about four years. And then the question came kind of, you know, in every relationship, the question is, do we split or do we move forward, right? Uh, don't move forward unless you have things resolved because the move alone doesn't resolve anything. Just delays it, right? So if, you, if you're thinking about getting married, you're listening to this and you have a shit ton of problems, don't do it. It doesn't get better. You know, once the spotlight is gone, you're back to the same old. No, no, we resolved it. You know, that's what I'm saying. Um, but uh, all right, sorry. Oh, this is uh, See, now this, let me just interject here. So when we were in Switzerland, right? And Etienne is in charge of this whole week of, you know, entertaining builders and, and building scientists and architects. And he's going through all this technical stuff. And then he'd interject stories like this and little anecdotes that were cracking us up the whole entire time. So this is perfect. This is pure at the end. <laughs> Definitely won't leave. Don't get married. Well, you know, um, most people uh, learn uh, learn by doing, right? So, um, but no, but, but back, yeah, back to story. So I met her there and so long distance relationship. So that's why I was really interested in, in, in potentially living in the States. And I'm going to be honest with you, 2016, when I moved over, I didn't know yet where I'm going to land, right? Do I like the States? How long do I want to be here? You know, how do I feel about this country? And um, what is it? Yeah, 2016 has been uh, seven years now. And holy smokes, gentlemen, I'm not just saying this because maybe, maybe my future person who will give me this approval stamp is listening. But uh, this is an Amer America is an amazing place. I, I really, really feel home here. Um, I love the, oppor uh, the opportunistic um, or optimistic, that's it, the optimistic um, community and thinking of Americans. I find it very, very inspiring. Yes, you can. Um, it's, it's just so ingrained in, ingrained in this culture. Um, and to, to me personally, the American dream is very, very alive. And, and therefore, you know, I'm, I mean, not going to lie, I, I feel happy. I love it here. I'm also big into, I, I mean, I like entertainment. I like big shows. And, and you guys are just simply the best at that stuff. So, you know, um, anyways, but enough for my love for America. Um, as you can see, not only was I happy with my wife, I was also happy with, um, with, with the place where I landed. And I, I really, really feel home. Also, because if you look back, there were a lot of immigrants. This country was founded by immigrants. So I somehow feel a really strong connection to that because I see myself, you know, like, yeah, there were a lot of other people who came before me and eventually they got off the boat, got off a plane. But, you know, um, so therefore I feel like if I fit in, if that makes sense. So, okay, 2016, guess where we land. Yeah. So here, here, here. So I got an assignment. Etienne, figure out where you want to set up shop in the U.S., it cannot be Hawaii. That was one of all. <laughs> Florida. So yeah, so, so I was like, all right, so, so here's my Swiss mind back then. I'm like, all right, so first I need direct flights to Switzerland. So that kind of already eliminated a lot of locations. Next, it couldn't be in Pacific time. Sorry, Jamie. It was just too hard. Nine hours, that is not possible, right? <laughs> um, and then we figured the more central in the country, so good airport, central um and uh, and eventually during our research we realized mike is there so yeah it was chicago 
No, I, that, that, okay, the last part what isn't true. But anyway, so it was Chicago, and we traveled to Chicago to like check out the place, and we didn't have to go to any other city anymore. We were like, this is it. Chicago is the place to be. And so we set up shop downtown, had an office there for. Well, we're not there anymore. How's that working out for you? <laughs> I can't believe you're still alive. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, no, so we set up shop, then we moved to Goose Island, which is a, a really cool, um, cool little island. Uh, yeah. Oh, good beer. Too, great beer. Yes. Um, so we went to Goose Island, which is a little bit, yeah. um, it's about 15 minutes from the city center of Chicago for two years. And then uh, I moved back to Minnesota. And after some, um, one of our key staff members left us, we decided to also leave Chicago and have everything here in Minnesota. Um, you know, Minnesota um, is home to the second highest corporate income taxes. It's uh, over a 9%. Um, so yeah, it's... Uh, so that was a backward move. 2.8% is our unemployment. It's, <laughs> it's, it's really, really um, hard to find people. So it's a great place to be. Um, but no, joking aside, we have a great workforce. Um, other than these kind of like, let's say, small extra business challenges, it, it is a really cool state um, to, to, to live. And uh, if, if any of you is in town, please visit. How far outside Minneapolis? Are you in Minneapolis, I'm assuming? or So right now I'm calling you from the you? border um, of St. Paul and Roseville. So basically I'm right at the city edge um, here. Um, Got it. Yeah, and um, since it is the Twin Cities, I would be in 20 minutes in, 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 in uh, Minneapolis. There's a we lot do, going on I in mean, Minnesota, we have though. All the big sports teams here, which is really cool. So every every major sport you can think of, we, we have baseball, um, basketball, ice hockey. We have, of course, football. We, have, we even have soccer. Um, even though back home, if they heard me say that, they wouldn't be too happy. It's football and American football, right? Yes. Yes. That's you're a big Vikings fan too. Yes, aren't sir. You? Yeah. I just, uh, just bought season tickets Had a little bit, of uh, a run in, uh, so I, nice. Well, okay. All right. So, so did you know, so here's, here's, did you know, do you know how to buy tickets? Okay. So, so first of all, so here's the story. I used to have season tickets. And then uh, last year, I, um, I enrolled uh, in an MBA program. I'm currently still in this MBA program. But I was like, you know what? I, I, I cannot resist the temptation. If I have these tickets, I'm going to go. And, you know, if you have ever did a full season, that's 10 games. That's, that's a very big commitment. You, you're there early, you know, full day. You come home. You're totally destroyed. It's like it, it, it takes a toll on you. And it was especially, and it's all in fall. And I'm like, I can't do this. I can't invest 10 days. So my biggest mistake was I, I returned my tickets, right? Um, because before that, I was on the wait list and all that. I was I returned them. Now this year, I'm like, oh, let's, you know, I know this guy. Hey, Stuart, mm. what's up? Can you hook me up? He's like, ah, um, you know, maybe in three to five years. That's the wait. Oh. But if you want tickets, you can buy a stadium builder license. No, it's called an SBS. And so SBS is basically a way how big stadiums finance their construction, right? So they would issue licenses for each seat that then fans can purchase 
Um, and with that money that they generate with these licenses, they, they pay for part of the construction costs. So this is kind of how it works. Now, there's a whole market where these licenses are sold. Once you own a license, you have the right to buy season tickets, right? So this is how it works for a lot of the stadiums. I am assume SoFi wow. Stadium. Didn't they just build a new what stadium? That? Now we're talking. Didn't they just build a new about... stadium? Five billion dollars. That's right. Yeah, they did. Um, I don't know how they did it. No, no, no. Minnesota. Yeah, didn't they just build a new stadium like just about a few years five, ago? Five or six years. Five years ago, um, it, we hosted. So what are they saving we, up? We hosted the Super Bowl. Um, we already had um, repairs. So there's been a little bit of a local scandal. It wasn't covered in the big news oh because uh, the the they had water leaking and uh, and the siding, which they have, okay, they did open joint facade, all right, which is a great idea, by the way, um, because yeah. open joint means yeah. uh, water, please come on in, right? It's like an open, open water joint. And so, so they had a lot of water leakages and I think, I'm not sure, they had to, they had to strip the entire stadium, the entire siding had to come. It's like one of Danny's rain screens. What was that? <clears throat> I said, it's like one of Jamie's the irony of this conversation is just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, so so I, I'm I'm a little confused. So you said you're buying a right. license for these, yeah. Seats, so, but Zane said, but Zane said they just built a stadium five years ago. So are they financing another new no, stadium? No, or are so, these so, so here, yeah, that's a great question. So these licenses, all right, they are there. There's a market for it where you buy licenses. So let's say you bought a license five years ago. That gives you the infinite right, as long as the stadium exists, to get season tickets. It's like your right to have tickets. Now, it what's well, a, there's a marketplace. A, it really depends. Like? Whatever you ask for it. Um, so it the licenses would range somewhere around $700 to $20,000, depending on the seat. Right. But then you pay $20,000, maybe let's say you get really good seats, but then the Vikings come and say, hey, by the way, season tickets are 5000 a, a, a seat. So that that's your annual re, um, reoccurring cost. So I go on the site, you know, Sunday morning on the phone, you know, my wife's still sleeping. So I'm on the phone. I'm like, ah, you know, and then he said, make an offer. I'm like, it. oh, you know, let's lowball that sucker. So I saw one. So Seven hundred bucks. I'm like, hey, this is not too bad. So I'm like, oh, let's just put in six hundred each, two seats. Okay, so it's yeah, it's not nothing, but it's it's also not absolutely crazy. So I put it in. Don't think anything throughout the day, you know. And, and I, I I guess I, I was okay because at around noon I I remembered. Oh, I was playing. So I told him, hey, by the way, I kind of put in an offer. So just so that you know, boom, half an hour later, your offer is accepted. Now. <laughs> I I go look at it and I read. Now then I read the fine print and it's like once your offer is accepted, it's a binding uh, contract between the two parties. Good luck, right? And so yeah, so this is how I bought the season tickets for this year. Um, yeah. So my. But you didn't buy the season tickets. You just bought the license. Oh, so, yeah, that's right. So I have the license, but I mean, of course, I have to buy the tickets now. I mean, that's that's. Uh, I could skip. I could totally skip. But no, I'm gonna buy him and um I I I'm probably gonna go to most of okay, so here's the other thing. So I told my wife, you know, I'm gonna sell them, right? Don't worry, we can make some money. We could 
And she said, listen, <laughs> this is what you sold me on the last three years, right? You said you're going to sell them. And how many have you sold? And the truth is I haven't sold a single one because, you know, the games, it's like the Packers are in town or, or whoever else we want to beat, right? And, and it's just, yeah, anyways. So little side story for you guys. That's awesome. When do they play the Bears? <laughs> it's a business deal, babe. I'm right. going to make some money I on guess. this. They call it passive income. You know, I'm just trying to hustle and get that passive income. And- <laughs> <laughs> babe, I'm going to pay it back. <laughs> Well, at least the license, in theory, it. doesn't lose value. They built the stadium five years ago, maybe a little bit risky since it's kind of falling apart. But other than that, um, you know, it's a safe bet for, let's say, the next hopefully 20 years, right? <laughs> That's great. What is a great story. Moneymaker. Moneymaker. <laughs> I'm just checking the schedule to see when, if the Bears are up. They are. It's Soldier Field. They are. They're yeah, we're going to fly out. They are November. They're in the same. Yeah, they're coming. Yeah, Etienne had the schedule memorized. He's I still... have. I already started to like figure out. Oh yeah, November twenty seventh. Right. November twenty seventh. That's right. It'll be a sad day for you. I'm sorry, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right after uh, Thanksgiving. You're gonna be off work anyway, Mike. There you go. You might have to get those. Perfect. Tickets. What's the drive like from Chicago to? It's not bad to uh, Minneapolis. Six or seven hours. Six hours. Yeah. Really? Yeah. A long way. So, where where were we? At? All right, so I moved, with the story. Yeah, I moved to the U.S. Right to um, so Chicago. <laughs> he remembers. And then, um, yeah. So, so basically, at that point, I'm head of sales for North America, and that was an interesting uh, story. So, basically, I inherited a team of, um, including myself, we were ten, um, ten guys. Right? Yeah, ten guys. Um, and we were out of the 10, one was a technical engineer and nine were sales guys. And we did it for like half a year or so. And back then we were active in like eight different states. So you can imagine one person per state, you know, driving around doing, doing their spiel. Um, now that became a very unsustainable model for us because, um, as soon as someone left us, right. Um, we had, we spent a year, you know, finding someone new, training someone new, sending them out, getting them up to speed and ready for the market. Right. You all know if vendors change all the time, it kind of sucks. You know, it's also not great. (laughs) You know, you want a certain consistency, you know, who you're dealing with. So it was tough. So we had to make a, a difficult decision, which was, um, let's focus our activities. And instead of being active in eight states, we um, then just didn't replace if people left um, in, 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 in four of these states. So we kind of started to focus a little bit. The other thing we did is um, we realized that we need other skills on the team, not just sales skills. Sales is great, but we need marketing. We need you know people in the back office to just focus and make sure operations run smooth and so on and so forth. So we kind of really diversified um, how do we spend our salary dollars, so to say, right? So um, making sure we had a little bit different uh, teams in place. And then in 2016, we made one really good move from today's perspective, but we were quite early um, in collaborating with influencers. Actually, the OG of construction influencers Um, which is Matt Reisinger, 
um, posted his first Sega video. I cannot take credit for this in 2014 already. So 2014, Matt Rising, it looks a little bit different. Um, <laughs> posted about our tapes, right? <laughs> and um, and when I came in, I realized, okay, around the same time we released an official corporate video about the tape. And I saw that we had like 4,000 4, views, right? He had a hundred thousand views and I'm like, oh, hold on. What's, you know, what's going on here? Right? And people weren't talking about influencers back then, you know? Yeah. They were talking maybe about YouTubers or things, but it wasn't, it wasn't what it is today. Right. So I was like, Hey, this is mm -hmm. kind of interesting. And, um, so we just built a relationship and, uh, and then over the years we have, uh, created more and more relationships. Um, that turned out to be quite, uh, valuable because at the end of the day, um, content marketing is is really where the, the industry went right so so a lot of organic content being found online is important and and so yeah we got a big opportunity to kind of spread a little bit the word um, across the industry um, I, I don't know Mike how did you hear about us I don't know if you remember but it's <laughs> uh, probably Instagram it's okay yeah okay mm -hmm. okay Maybe it was built tight. Quite good account. Well, it goes back to that statement you made about um, forcing change or inspiring change. When you see that stuff, I, I get inspired by a lot of people on Instagram. And I guess I'm just naturally inquisitive. I, if I see something that looks cool or I like, I, I do my research. So I I saw Sega somewhere on the, on the gram and did my research. And... Um, so you call it the gram, Jamie, how do you call, uh, how do you call it? Do you call it the gram? The gram? Uh, I say Insta too. Yeah. Insta? What about you saying? Yeah. Uh, I call it, uh, gram. <laughs> no, don't call it IG. Know. Maybe yeah, IG. Are you an IG? Yeah. IG. IG. Or just yeah. Instagram. IG. I don't, I don't it's really know. Right? It depends on who you're right. talking yeah. to. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I yeah, call yeah. it Insta. Yeah. I like I the really gram. Know. Jamie, you're more in the Insta camp, but then of course with IG. <laughs> but funny, no one calls it Instagram, right? We lean, <laughs> we lean on Jamie. He's okay. the cool one. He's from Cali, okay. so yeah, whatever Jamie cool calls Cali guy. It's only the only yeah. one wearing the hats oh, the right okay. way, right? Or <laughs> hey, so <who> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the. Thing's not wearing a hat. No. I don't know what the kid up in Illinois is doing, but <laughs> so who's your uh, who's your guy? Like, what's your your major? Who's your major competitor? Who are you guys? So first after? of all, like who you? Not not not, not don't throw up right away. Ourself, we are the big. <laughs> no, but I mean, there's a certain... uh -huh. right. Uh -huh. say, uh, no, check the script. I mean, to a certain degree. So first of yeah. all, the market is huge. We are very very small. We're a small drop out there, right? Yeah. And, um, and, and I, I do have to say, um, I, I, I really like this idea of you only compete against yourself, right? And, and you have to become the best version of yeah. yourself um, to a large group. But to answer your question, well, who are our competitors? A ton. There are hundreds of companies that make tape out in the market. I can name a few. Um, for example, um, if you think about uh, in your market, and it's very market specific, I mean, Huber Sip is, of course, a big one. You know, they make the sheets, so you don't need a, an extra year wrap, and they make tapes for it. 
A protector app would be someone, Jamie, that you see quite often in Cali, right? Um, or you have Prosoco, which also is, is common um, um, in, in Cali, where you have more EFIS system, you know, it could be Stowe or, or another other company. And they then come with uh, or, or um, drive it. Um, so it's basically anyone that kind of um, replaces uh, or, or everyone in the membrane business, you, you could say, is somehow competing with us. Um, Right. Do you guys have a hard time getting into different territories or? So, yeah, so it's a good question. So our biggest problem has been um, people don't know who Sega is. So when I came in 2016, after five Mm -hmm. years in the market, people were like, who the heck is Sega? They just didn't know. Now, let's look at the the system. Let's step one step back. We had one guy per state. How many people can this guy possibly call or visit and, you know, leave his impression and be like, oh, now I remember this company top of mind, right? Uh, not a lot. And, and that's why we really invested more in, in marketing and getting the word out there. Today, a lot more people know or at least have heard or maybe they've seen something on R&R buildings or Matt Reisinger or, or you know, whoever. Uh, or, of course, well, green, green design. Yeah. At, at the end, after this podcast... Be prepared. You're kind of having upwards of probably 12 to 13 more people calling you (laughs) once they, once this podcast gets out. Mike, I learned something. It's no, it's, I mean, you know, joking aside, but, but I, I do mean that someone told me once, listen, um, people are over-focused on the number of followers. What's much more important is who follows you. And I've been on on IG since Mm -hmm. 2017 and uh, now call it Aichi for you. So, um, <laughs> and in 2019, I started my Instagram journey. And just the story behind this is in my role as head of sales, I had one cool privilege, which was I could travel to all the different regions in North America because I had team members there. I also had a lot of people sending me pictures and they, you know, like the guys were bragging, Hey, look at the project I just sold. Or like, Oh, Hey, this is a tricky detail or this is a shitty detail or whatever. Right. So I was like, I'm realizing, Hey, I have this, this, I look at my phone, I have 4,000 pictures of content on it. Right. And so I was like, well, why not share that stuff? Right. And so I started my journey and, and I just started to share, you know, and I'm not a builder, you know, I'm not, I'm not a professional. So it's, it, it I, at first, I was really hesitant. Like, how do I approach this? Do people even want to hear about, you know, from, from, from my perspective, right? Um, but I realized that what I've, I turned it more into like, I let's create um, a place where we can just exchange, right? Where I would throw something out or say, hey, here's a stock of detail here, you know, maybe my thoughts. And what do you guys think? What works for you? And, and I realized, hey, people are really commenting. People read that stuff and, and we had some great, great exchanges. And you all know, sometimes you post it like, oh, this is going to be a winner. Oh, this is a big one. You know, get ready. And it totally flops. And then you have the ones where it takes you two seconds. You're like, oh, let's get it out here. Uh, you know, and, and it, it's a superstar, right? So it's so random at, at how these things do. But um, yeah, anyway, so that, that that's a little bit um, the the Insta I think, story. I think it was a good idea too because... You know, part of marketing is not, particularly what you're doing, is not um, just throwing it out and see what sticks. It's for you guys, especially 
you can't market to everybody and you're not trying to because you'll be spinning your wheels with 90% of the builders in, in America. Right. It's, it's all about who you're trying to sell to. And the guys that go on and comment on Instagram about, about building tight or how a building is put together or all that, those are the right. guys that you want because those are the guys that right. care. You know, the guys that are just putting, you know, the cheapest wrap or, you know, or, or tar paper or whatever, you know, those are not your guys. So those guys, you can just right. let go. So I, I think it's just, I mean, and we're learning this too, just like we're learning, you know, who are we marketing to and what type of project do we want? You know, I, it's, it's I agree marketing with that, 101. But I do want to like add one little tidbit to that. Like I find it my, myself when I'm posting about Stiga or any other um, component in the house that we like to promote and then where we think we feel we're better than our competitors. And then we have, you know, a, a decent amount of followers. We're trying to get, you know, potential clients that follow mm -hmm. us. So those average home buyers are seeing posts about Sega, are seeing posts about building mm -hmm. science. And then I'm getting questions back about those items. And it di differentiates us as a builder from many of our competitors. So I think it's it's not just marketing to those people that are going to, I suppose it is for you, Etienne, you're marketing to the people who are going to buy your product, but also marketing to the the end user who's asking about that product because they want to build a better house. Maybe it's going to be out of their price range, but maybe it's mm -hmm. not. The Sega products we use don't add to the cost of our house versus a traditional WRB. So just getting that knowledge out there, I think pays huge dividends. Yeah. And even if it does, you're still selling value of, you know, value of the product that that you're using right. you know so if you educate that client you know as long as you've got the right client for a greenside house or a verdura house mm -hmm. or whatever then you know a lot of times a lot of times they're gonna say you know what mike we trust you and if you believe this is the best product and then, then this is what yeah. we're gonna do the number one reason for if so the one number reason why people are sued in court um is water damages. That's the number one problem that you have with any buildings. So um, if there's one thing I recommend is make sure you manage water well. And you know, a lot of the other things are not as bad, just but water is really the kind of the enemy number one, the most destructive force that we have to deal with in construction. And so that would be kind of my message um, to, to everyone. And, and Mike, you mentioned a good point, right? Um, you also have to choose where do you want to go with uh, with social media, right? Do you want to talk about content that you care about? Do you want to talk about content that the audience cares about? Like, like where do you draw the line, right? Um, in terms of being authentic mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, yeah. Or maybe I say things on here that maybe are not that popular, but it's just me and, you know, who cares? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I had a feeling. I had a kind I of a feeling. I listened to to your intro episode. I'm like, okay, I know, I know what I'm getting into here. <laughs> <laughs> and you still agreed. You I'm still agreed to come, to come on. on? Yeah, I did. This is California guy. Yeah, wow. Uh, this is California guy. Yeah, I think you have to be yourself. I mean, or at least ninety five percent yourself. Some of it has to be a little bit of salesmanship, um, if you're trying to get sales out of it. But if you're not yourself, it comes through. 
or it comes through the second people meet you, you're like, hey, you're not the same guy that we saw on the gram. Yeah, yeah, well, people, people are looking. People want real. Yeah, I mean, people, people, can tell. people are looking to see who you are, regardless. So if you come across as, as right. disingenuous, you know, it's not, that doesn't turn yeah. into a sale. So yeah. I feel like you got to be yourself no matter what. So I, I have a question so, for you. Maybe I know we're, we're approaching kind of the deadline, but one question that I had was I had a conversation today with uh, people in Europe and they told me that the pipeline, their pipeline is relatively dry 2024 and forward. Um, how are things for you? How and, and, and they asked me, how is it in the US? I said, well, it's, I haven't heard it's too dry uh, yet, um, even though we don't really know what's going to happen with interest rates and stuff like that. But yeah, we'll kind of we'll be interested to hear from you. How busy are you? Is it different than normal, busier, less busy? If you don't mind sharing. Wants to take that. <laughs> we are. I'm busy. We are. Uh, we're actually getting a little bit more busy. Okay. Um, I think everybody's still. Um, everybody's still a little hesitant with interest rates, but it hasn't. It hasn't slowed people down to where they're just not looking. I mean, where where we live, the average days on market for a house is still less than thirty yeah. days. So people are still buying things yeah. right now. What about you? Yeah. We're <laughs> we're doubling revenue this year, possibly more, possibly more. That's where we're at. Uh, but talk to the lumber yard uh, yesterday. I was in there with my rep. Mm. Their first quarter is down twenty three percent, but we had catastrophic rain, yeah. so I don't know if that has something to do with that. But they're they seem to be a little nervous. I'm noticing a little. The subs subs are a little slower. There's people <laughs> picking up their phone and calling, looking for work a little bit, and it's sunny now. Yeah, I've so. I don't know. I think it's just probably definitely a slow down. Um, but you know, if you looked at my company where we are, not mm -hmm. we're yeah. doubling revenue. Well, we're so. busier than we've ever been, and we're busy until 2025. Uh, projects that we're pricing now, I would say 50%, maybe 40% of them are taking pause or going back to the drawing board to, to reduce. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a function of inflation. Mm -hmm. So a house that you thought would be four million is now six million in construction because we've seen about thirty to thirty-five percent in inflation. Mm -hmm. Straight across the board, every line item you can just tick off thirty percent. Mm -hmm. So those those people are are slowing or pausing. Um, but apart from that, the general real estate market, there's still a major shortage of housing. Mm -hmm. uh, the supply is way down. Uh, the realtors and brokers that I talked to have taken, they were slow at the end of last year when rates started rising, but now it's picking up again for mm -hmm. them, which is even though rates They're are higher, still <laughs> up, mm -hmm. it's still creeping up, but the, the market is busier. So I think, and I don't, nobody has a crystal ball, right? No one knows what's going to happen exactly, but I think, I do. I don't <laughs> what does it say? I'm not going to tell you what's going <laughs> to okay. Anyway, go ahead. I think we're just going to see a little a little bit of a slowdown as soon as rates start to retreat. They are going things are going to bump up again. Things are going to get busy mm -hmm. again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jump right back yeah. in, yeah. But what do I know? Yeah, what do you know? Etienne, we how, how, how Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead, Jamie. I was just curious if you guys how, was, how are your sales oh, looking at Siga? 
Yeah, um, I'm not I mean, just just are you guys No, no, no. We are we steady, are uh, uptick down We're almost doubling. Not double, but almost doubling. Um no sales are really really good right now um for us and I I think as I said, we have this once you try us, um you often stick <laughs> stick with us. So our 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 no, no pun intended. No, no pun intended. Stick with us. No, but it, it, it really is. So, so we, we, we were able to build a, a following with a few really, really cool products. Um, and, and, and so, yeah. What's the number one product? What's your best selling product in North America? Tapes? Or I WRB? think the number one product is our Fentrim tape that we use to seal um, from the, the concrete foundation to your sheeting. Um, it's usually yeah. always a tough yeah. connection to make because concrete is porous, it's dirty, it's hard to stick. There are a lot of solutions out there that require primer. You're primerless. And so also nice is it doesn't um, affect any warranties. You know, if you build with Huber Zip or whatever, the base joint is like uh, not part of their their warranty system. So there, there are no hurdles to that. Um, and so that I would say is our number one for North America. Interesting. You know, it's not that that much of tape, if you look at the house, go once around. I mean, Mike, yeah. you're, if you go around your homes, it's a lot of tape. But, you know, um, some homes, uh, regular homes, it's, it's not that much. I'm going to add an extra roll now yeah. so I can put it on Cousin Johnny's leg. And <laughs> yeah. The whole roll? You could, you could ship uh, 4,300 square feet out no, to California just, and I'll make sure everybody sees it. You have it. my email. Shameless. You have my email? Send me, send me your address and uh, I send you something. That's how, that. that's how easy that. we're going to do this. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I got some high-vis. High <laughs> so go ahead. We have something that's kind of uh, developed into a tradition on our podcast. It's, uh, it's called This okay. or That. And um, I was going to ask you some this sure. or that questions. Sure. What so do what think? do I need to do? All right. All right, to answer go. the question. That's yes. it. You ready? All right. Sauce on the side or on the top? On the top. Air guitar or air drums? Air guitar. Netflix or Hulu? Netflix. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Strong coffee. They like strong coffee in Switzerland. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go to a party or host a party? Host a party. Cash or credit? Oh, cash. Messy desk or clean desk? Very messy desk. He <laughs> 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 looked around. Everybody was listening. Roller coasters or water slides? Roller coaster. Art or science? Science. Animals or people? People. I would say animals today, actually. <laughs> Sometimes it's the same, right? <laughs> yeah. All right, last one. Yeah. Wine or beer? Beer. You had to think about that one. Yeah, you did. I, I, I thought that was going to be a... A couple more years, it'll be wine, <laughs> All right. Why don't you uh, Why don't you tell us if you're if 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 you've never heard you're listening to this podcast. If you're one of our you know four listeners and yes. you're listening to this podcast and you're like, what Sega? How do they? And they're in North America. Where do they find it? How do they get it? 
What do they do? Sell it. Why don't you just sell us on your product and then tell us where to get it? Okay. So where to get depends on where you are. Um, we have uh, now 25 people in North America. So in, in most areas, um, East Coast, West Coast, US, Canada, um, we have local reps. So you can get it from them. Now you say, what do you mean? Well, we have a direct sales model. So with the exception of only one state, we sell direct. Um, we um, have a business-to-business -business, uh, approach. Uh, we think it's a great way. Michael buys direct from us. Um, because this way we can really, um, first of all, we have direct communication. You hear from the manufacturer what it is intended for. We get direct feedback from you and we can give you preferred pricing, right? Because there's no middleman. We do run our warehouses. That's good. Um, they're located. We have four warehouses that are located, um, um, in, in Boston, in Portland, um, for the U S then we have two in Canada and we can ship within two to three days, um, within that proximity. I think for Michael, you're in Chicago. It's probably more like four days. Um, yeah, but something in, in, in that, I, I know we can serve the whole country with no less than five days. Right. Um, yeah. So why should you buy Seagull? Well, look, if you, if you're done with, um, bringing heat guns to your job site, in winter, if you're done with tapes melting off your your buildings, Jamie, that's a California thing. Um, and if, if you want something that has no chemicals in it that are harmful to you, so a water-based acrylic that lasts a very, very long time, I think you should really consider Seagull. That would be kind of my, uh, my point. So it's good for the environment, it's good for your workers, and it's really, really good for the building, right? Um, uh, there are only two ways how you can do a job. You do it right or you do it again. And uh, I strongly believe with Seagull, you do it right because it's a great product, it's high quality, it's not cheap. But I tell you one thing, price becomes an issue if you don't provide value. And I strongly believe you get value with us. And you know, Jamie's gonna be our testimony here. I'm gonna send him, uh, send him something in the mail and uh, we see what he has to say. <laughs> We'll make some stories. Yeah, so make it go to, to www.seagull.swiss. Okay, not .com, .swiss. So just type in Seagull tapes, you will find us. And then there is a uh, how to buy. You will uh, see a friendly face who is responsible for your state. Just have a chat. We love having chats and we go from there, you know. Um, yeah, and, so yeah. And I'll just interject because I'm probably like a lot of the builders out there. So you're not going to find this talking to your local lumber rep that sells all the other different house wraps you had just go online google sega their uh, website will come up and then you'll be connected to their web shop so whenever i order sega for a product i just log into my web shop i've got all my items saved as favorites i click it twice click purchase it's head simple and it comes out in four days right yeah it's awesome as simple as that and then uh yeah, for most builders, um, you just get net 30. In, if you want to be on the net 30 program, obviously we have a few questions that we need to figure out before, but once that's, once that's passed, same as Mike, just go in your shop, two clicks, product comes, you can deliver to job sites, you can do itemized POs. There's a lot of things that we try to uh, make your life as simple and as easy as possible. Now, if you have a ginormous project and you're listening to us, 
and you really want to buy through your distributor, you can also make that happen because we are pretty agnostic. At the end of the day, look, we have one channel, but we are open to work with whatever channel you want. It's up to you. If you want to buy from Johnny around the corner, do that. But Johnny sets the price. He's going to get a price from me and he will set whatever price it is, right? Um, so shop around, see what's available. Um, and yeah, and, and make an educated decision. That's pretty much what I would recommend when it comes to buying tape. So real quick sure. for the guys that are listening that might be a little nervous about buying directly from a vendor, tell us just real quick about the the, the yeah. age of the company, you know, and, and, you know, the warranty and how you stand behind the product. For and sure. Kind of yeah, thanks. Um, so company's been around since 1966. Um, so we've been in business for, for, for a long time. You're active in 40 different countries. Uh, and as I said, we have 600 employees. Um, warranty, we have the standard 10-year um, warranty that you would find uh, almost with any product out there. Um, I do have to say, it's just a little side note on warranties. Read them carefully. Um, a lot of manufacturers sell on warranty. I'm not a believer in this because the truth is, if you read it carefully, you will notice very quickly that whatever they describe in their warranties is kind of bullshit. Like, yeah, okay. Ever been on a job site that's free of dust, completely dry and, you know, perfectly cut? I have never. <laughs> so, you know, it, so it will right. always that's come true. down to how um, nice or not nice a company is if you have warranty claims. The best warranty, in my opinion, is quality. So just go with a good quality product and then we don't have to run into that issue. Um, but therefore, we, we decided we don't want to compete on that. Side note, we are, of course, talking, um, hey, what can we do to, to also kind of walk the walk? And um, so we are currently assessing if we would just want to extend it. Um, but yeah, as I said, for me, there is always this one caveat. Um, if you talk to any manufacturer, they, I remember vividly when I first came to the US uh, and I had a, a meeting with another manufacturer, we're talking about collaboration and then they were talking warranty and they were like, yeah, you know, I, um, I hope you guys are in the same boat. It's, it's just a joke. Right. And it like, it really shattered my innocence. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? Like a warranty is like. <laughs> Yeah, no, but th yeah, there, there is a lot of fine text in there, right? Um, so back yeah. to that best yeah. warranty, go with quality. Yeah, do it, it do, do it, do it right, uh, or do it again. There you go. <laughs> that's actually right. That's I like totally it. true. Yeah. Well, all right, Etienne, we hit our limit. It was great talking to you. Interesting as yeah, always, you great. always have good stories. Yeah. I love listening to your stories. <laughs> Yeah, that was yeah really want to appreciate like you all. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. And like I said, be prepared for 12 or 13 more um, clients bumping in after this. Yeah, man. <laughs> I know some Cali builders that have built a lot of houses. You know, let's talk. Let's right. talk advertising. Well, I send you the tape <laughs> and let's let's see what the tape has to say. How about that? All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. Right. Thank you so much. Make a video and you stick that tape on your own leg and rip it off. <laughs> You've been waiting for like a, 20 minutes like to say that. Style. <laughs> like a jackass style. Like a jackass meets Rudura. <laughs>